TLDR alert. If you're short on time and still want to hear some of the gems of wisdom and inspiring actions of female powerhouse Katz Kylie, then here are seven minutes of sound bites. If you do have time, if you're on a long run, a cycle, or a long drive, check out the full episode. Now, over to Katz. I grew up in such a tight community with such a tight family. As a young girl with three older, a lot older brothers who made me believe I could do anything and should, is who I am. I went to school with all girls where it was completely democratized and some people had to do STEM and therefore I did sciences. And that wasn't weird because my brothers had done sciences. So it never occurred to me that a woman should behave any differently than a man or should have different interests. I just think I was lucky to grow up in a family where I was not only kind of supported, but pushed intellectually constantly. You know, they, I think the person I am who's very curious comes from that. It's a working class family. So my, my father was like, he fixed things. And my mother was the most incredible woman, somehow managed to make ends meet and somehow sent us all to good schools. I've got no idea how. Credible kind of stoic Northern woman. So I think in a way... I'm a product of who she is as well, because she would never say no. She would always find a way. And the other thing I suppose I should add is that as a young Catholic girl, it was expected of you to give back all of the time. So my weekends would be spent playing songs for old people in old people's homes. We were expected to help out and do the right thing. I have to say that I'm ADHD. And I think people really misunderstand what ADHD means. And they think it means that you can't focus on things. What it actually means is that you can't focus on things you don't find interesting. So once you've got something in your sights, you cannot drop it. It's there and you can't move away from it. So there's a hyper-focus thing that happens. Whatever you may think about the Catholic Church, which is as full as unfairness as any church could be or any religion could be, the Irish version of that is about looking after other people, looking after your community, that everyone's as good as everyone else, treat everybody the way you expect to be treated, all those kind of things. So I think I've just grown up with this embedded ethos of things should be fair. Because once I've got my head into, yeah, that's not fair, I can't step away from it. So, you know, if you can see something and you think it should be better, just try and fix it. Pull people together, get them excited about it and fix it. I would be lying to say that I don't have moments of doubt and that uh, I don't have those moments where I'm in bed and my brain's whirring and I'm thinking, what have I done? How did I start this? Why have I started it? I think because I went through such a tough time for those few years, I think that's given me this incredible resilience because do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? And the answer is tomorrow's going to happen. The day after is going to happen. I'll do what I can do. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'll find another way around. If you can find shared challenges and you can bring people around those challenges in design thinking workshops, everybody feels that they've been part of coming up with a solution to something that they care about. And then again, if you look at the behavioral science behind that, the IKEA effect, we will guard, we will protect, we will love the things that we've made ourselves more than anything else. And the same goes with anything. If we come up with an idea with people, it's our idea and it's their idea. And therefore, we're much less likely to resist change if we've been part of it. We're much more likely to make solutions work 
if we have been part of the process of making those solutions, and especially when it's around something that we genuinely care about, rather than somebody else telling us what we should care about. So the story goes at the beginning of COVID, I find myself with a gap in my time Tetris ADHD world. And there were loads and loads of frontline healthcare workers who were talking about this PPE crisis. So because I have spent my entire career building bits of kits to help people to be more connected, more collaborative, and I'm obsessed by open source. So I thought, how hard would it be to build a platform where people on the front line could report when they were short of PPE, tell us what specific items they needed. We could pin that on a digital map so that people who wanted to help could bypass the middlemen and just get them what they need. Mm -hmm. So four weeks later, we launched the platform, had like 43 volunteers, everyone piled in, loads of people. Just this ridiculous groundswell of goodness. Humans doing what humans do best, which is kind of going, yeah, I can help. So a year later, we have this somewhat held together with sticky tape and string platform. But we'd got about across this ecosystem that we'd pivoted. We got about half a million pieces of PPE to the front line. And of course, what happens is there's a crisis. People like me and you sit forward to do stuff. We learn loads, we make things happen, and then we go back to our day jobs and all of that learning is lost. And it's like, well, no, that's not going to happen. So then we spent a year pulling together 40-odd INGOs, smart people, to think about what such a platform could do above and beyond PPE. Because in my simple mind, it's like, well, here's a platform, it's open source, it could be quickly amended for any crisis where there's a supply chain breakdown and people on the front line can't get what they need. And there are people who want to help but don't know how. And then the war started. And Katrina, who's been a volunteer since pretty well day dot, um, turned up at one of our stand-ups in tears just saying, isn't this what Frontline Live is for? So there begins the beginning of the story of what's going on in Ukraine. So we've only got like 32 charities signed up to Frontline Live Ukraine. But just from those charities, the scale of the need for medical and domestic supplies is unbelievable. There's 1.9 million children who are living in shelters today. 6.8 million people have lost their homes. We made a very crunchy decision at the beginning of this that we were just going to focus on the internally displaced people in Ukraine because my instinct and the first research we did made me feel that they were going to be the people who'd get left behind. And it's so true. There are a set of conditions in which humans are the most innovative, the most creative, the least change resistant. And those conditions I've pulled together into a framework which helps leaders to focus on the things that really matter, which are the things which they most often completely ignore. So CE stands for community and curiosity and collaboration and co-creation, co-creation, co-creation. Something I go on about all of the time. If people co-create things, they will make sure they happen. R stands for reward and respect and recognition E stands for experimentation and empathy. A for autonomy. You know, nobody, none of us likes to be micromanaged. Why does anyone ever think that's a good idea? T stands for trust and transparency. 
And if you kind of move away from the CREATE framework and map it against the conditions that most organizational structures are built upon, it literally is diametrically opposed. Okay, that's all for now, folks. Now, here's my ask of you. Please follow this podcast on Apple or Spotify or whatever player you use. Also, please subscribe to our new Random Collisions newsletter. We really are working to build a global community of action takers, action engines of people that really care about the problems that need solving. Thank you very much and see you next time. 